0: After years of putting money into a savings account, a wife tells her stay-at-home husband the good news. Honey, we finally got enough money to buy what we started saving for in 1979. And her husband blushes with excitement, and he, and he means, you mean a brand-new Cadillac? No, says the wife, a 1979 Cadillac. So, we're back in the book of 2 Corinthians today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, Not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are not home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well-known to God, and I also trust are well-known in your consciences. Let's pray lord we fail every day lord we don't deserve your free gift of life but you gave it anyway and we thank you for it and now lord god holy spirit i ask that you would speak through me today that you would touch all of our hearts including mine change us lord we're ready for the new we're ready For you to use us in a new fashion, in a new way, in an empowered way. Holy Spirit, use us in spite of ourselves. For we are leaky vessels, God. And we praise you for it all in Jesus' mighty name. The strong Son of God in the church said, Amen. All right. Our life principle for today is this. Life is short. Focus on the things that have eternal value and have confidence in God. Life is short when we compare it to eternity, isn't it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's look back at verse 1. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is dismantled, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. For in this tent we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. So while we are in this tent, we groan under our, under our burdens, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but clothed, so that our mortality may be swallowed up by life. I've got something that's going to shock you. Are you ready? One day, these bodies will stop functioning. One day, it's going to happen. And on that day, if you are a believer, you will be with the Lord. Period. Sin entered the world, though, and the world has been waiting since that time for the completion of the redemption of Christ. Romans 8.20 tells us this, For the creation was subjected to futility, not by its own will, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until the present time. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he can already see? But if we hope for what we do not yet see, we wait for it patiently. If you're saved, you understand exactly what Paul is talking about here. A groaning inside of us. Something that that can't really be expressed with words. A desire like we've never had before to be with Jesus and to have this flesh turned into a glorious body. One that is incorruptible before God. You know, Paul puts it this way. We long for the day that mortality may be swallowed up by life there is a day when this body will be transformed to be like Christ For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. There's coming a day and that shouldn't give us a day. It shouldn't give us a reason to be sad but a reason to be joyful, to be with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 4. So while we are in this tent, we groan under our burdens because we do not wish it to be unclothed, but clothed so that our mortality may be swallowed up by life. What a great way to put that. So that our mortality may be swallowed up, not by death, but by life. And let me tell you something else. If anyone told you that Christianity was going to be your best life now or that Christ will take your life and and make it all a bed of roses and honey drops, then I've got some news for you. He lied to you. Anyone who told you that. The Christian life is about turning over our burdens to God who will help us through them. He will help us uphold them. In the midst of trials and tribulations, he will give us peace to walk this life. During this time, the Corinthians, and indeed the entire church, Amen, thank you. And indeed the entire church at that time was going under persecution. They were being martyred. But yet, we have the hope of Christ. You know... If Jesus was whipped, beaten, and crucified, how do so many today in the American church believe that they deserve better than their master? That's wrong. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? This is why false teachers are so dangerous today. They appeal to the flesh. They appeal to good emotions. They appeal to financial security. But that's not Scripture. That's not what it's about. It's about the things that have eternal value. Jesus said to deny yourself. Paul said to crucify the flesh. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Remember, the cross wasn't a religious symbol at this time. It was a symbol of death and destruction. It was a symbol of pain and agony. But he says, take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? I'm afraid today that there are too many who call themselves Christians when they're not. Who call themselves Christians when they are willing to forfeit their soul. Galatians 5.22 tells us, what is the fruit of the Spirit? What is the fruit of that which is grown in the Christian? It is love. It is joy. It is peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, ...and envying one another. I've seen too many grudges in churches over my lifetime. And I'm not that old. At least I don't think I am, but you know. I've seen too many things happen. I've seen churches split over carpet. I've seen churches split over colors of doors, apparently. I've seen churches split over sprinkler head placements... And I've said that story enough times, so if you want to hear about it, you can see me afterward. You know, someone once said this, he said, and as we look toward the future, as we look toward things that have eternal value, someone once said, I have no time for the endless nostalgia. Oh gosh, I used to. It used to be like. Life is too short. I don't have any time for sitting and saying I miss things. What's the point? Go and do something else. I like that. Go and do something else. Number two, be confident in God and walk by faith. Be confident in God and walk by faith. Hey, this life is hard. It can be. It can also be glorious. 2 Corinthians 5.5 5 says, And God has prepared us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a pledge of what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident, although we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident then, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Hey, Christian, God has prepared you for this very purpose. And what purpose is that? Well, according to the scripture, to press on spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again, doing God's work, looking forward to seeing the redemption of all creation. We wait for that day, the day when this will all be changed, when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We long for that day. Revelation twenty one one says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the former things have passed away. Folks, this is not the end all and the be all. There is a future. And that's what we should be looking toward. And not only for us, but for those that are unsaved. Those that need Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And he didn't stop there. He didn't just rise from the grave and leave us as orphans. The scripture says not only that, God, the spirit has come down as a down payment of the things that are to come. He d- resides, lives in, is in the believer, the cr- true Christian. John fourteen fifteen says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. He's speaking to the disciples here. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given to the believer, He didn't leave. But he takes up residence in every believer. The Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that was there with the disciples as he is there now. The same Holy Spirit that was with the apostles is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. And he said, greater things will you do. But here's the thing. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why are you not spreading the gospel? That's the question for the true American church. Why is it not spreading the gospel? Folks, it is the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who sanctifies us, which basically means he cleans us up. I always get told a lot, when I get cleaned up, preacher, I'll be there. <laughs> Forget that. You'll never get cleaned up. <laughs> Let's be honest. I prefer you to take a bath, but spiritually speaking, morally speaking... You're not going to get there on your own. It is the Holy Spirit, the life that has become subservient to God is the life that gets sanctified. It is the life that gets renewed. It is the one who gets to experience life. The one who has given it all up for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, I know, teaches us all things. Did you know that? It is he who speaks to us in the still, small voice, and it is he who convicts of sin and points to Jesus for salvation of the world. The believer is not alone to try to walk the path of God's righteousness because God himself has taken up residence in the believer. Pastor, I've got a pet sin. Oh, don't we all? How do I get rid of it? Hey, read the scriptures, rely on the Holy Spirit, and when you do fall, get up. Let God take up residence. Let God have his way. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident, although we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident then, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I love how it starts there. It starts there as therefore. Therefore, What? Therefore, because we have God on the inside and we have become regenerate in our spirit, we are always confident in the faith. For while we are in this body, we must walk by faith and not by sight, even though we long to be with the Lord. He has left us here for a purpose. And we must walk by faith. We must walk with our eyes on eternal things. We must walk with our lives going to those things which have eternal value. And while we're here, let's tell some other people about the good news of Christ. That you don't have to die in in your sin and go to hell. You can be with Jesus. For while we are in this body, we must walk by that faith, folks. And what is faith? Very simple. It is trust, trust in God. It is trust in the gospel. Hebrews 11.1 tells us, Now faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. Think about that. Faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. This is why the ancients were commended By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Jump down to verse 6. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who approaches Him must believe He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Wait a minute. You mean I got to seek Him? Yes. You got to seek Him. And lastly, we need to focus on what has eternal value. We focus too much on the temporary. We've got to focus on what has eternal value. Well, Pastor so-and-so said this and this about me, okay? Let's practice Matthew 18 like adults and go take it to them and, and, and hash it out. If that don't work, take somebody else with you. If that don't work, get the church involved. That's what Matthew 18 says to do. I don't know why that came up, but praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. So we aspire to please Him, whether we are here in this body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive his due for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Therefore, since we know what it means to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is clear to God, and I hope it is clear to your conscience as well. So because we have the Holy Spirit in us, and because we walk by faith and not by spite, we aspire to please Him. That is our aspiration. That is what we try to do every day, every moment of every day. We aspire to please Him. Why? Why are we trying to please God? Very simple. Because He first loved us, and we love Him. It is because of love that we seek to please God. 1 John four seventeen says, In this way, love has been perfected among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. For in this world, we are just like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Romans 5, 5 tells us, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We don't know love until we are saved. Did you know that? Oh, we can, we can know some of love. We can know eros. We can know phileo. We can know physical love, brotherly love. But we don't know the love that says, I love you just because. Until we know... Jesus, I love you just because, not because of what you can do for me, not because of what you are for me, but I love you just because you exist. That's God's kind of love right there. That's God's kind of love. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, back to our main scripture, for we must all uh, appear before the judgment seat of Christ That each one may receive his due for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Therefore, since we know what it means to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is clear to God, and I hope it is clear to your conscience as well. Fear there means a deep abiding respect for his power, for who he is. And let me tell you something. There is a judgment seat of the believer that each and every one will have to appear before to account for the things done in this life as a believer. It will not be to determine your salvation because that's done, that's over with. That's Jesus receiving salvation here on earth. But for the believer, this will be to determine rewards that will be given in heaven, that will be given in the new heavens and the new earth. If we believe all that's written here, then we know what it means to fear the Lord, to have that deep and abiding respect for God. And we know in Proverbs nine ten it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, because of the greatness of God and the understanding of the things that have eternal value, we are and do share the gospel with all of creation, and if you don't understand his greatness and the terror that that should strike in the hearts of the unsaved man, then you need to spend some more time in the Word of God. You need to spend some more time on your knees before God. But, Pastor, my knees hurt. I can't get back up. Well, then lay on your couch and spend time with Jesus. Do however you're going to do it, do it. Also, if you want to read some extra biblical texts, a good place to start is from uh, a sermon by Jonathan Edwards called, In the Hands of an Angry God. It's a good one. Please notice that all of this doctrine that we've discussed and all of this that was written by Paul all leads us to the same conclusion. It's up to the believer to spread the gospel. If you've got a true understanding of what is at stake then we all need to have that passion to spread the gospel. Because that's what's at stake, is lives of men and women. Lives that are going to be somewhere for all of eternity, whether heaven or hell. Where do you want them to go? That's what's at stake. That's an eternal thing. That's a forever thing. You don't just burn up and you're gone. That's forever. And Jesus said to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did you know Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven? Did you know that? Why? Because he didn't want nobody to go there. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. If you remember nothing, remember this. Life is short. It really is. Focus on the things that have eternal value. Focus on the things that have eternal value and have confidence in God. Life is short. Focus on the things that have eternal value and have confidence in God.